0: Welcome to Cars Yeah! Show number 614. This week at Cars Yeah! we're celebrating the inaugural Atlanta Concord Elegance. This spectacular event takes place on October 8th and 9th at Chateau Elan Winery and Resort just north of Atlanta. You can learn more about this event at atlanticconcord.org. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable, lithium battery technology that'll jump-start a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost jumpstarter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Sid Barron. Sid, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready to go. All right. I'm hoping you're sitting in a very nice Bentley, uh, and our listeners will learn a little bit more about that in a second. Sid Barron is the general manager at Bentley Atlanta. Bentley Atlanta is the largest Bentley-only dealership in the nation. Sid's a longtime Atlanta resident who is originally from Honduras. He started his career in the automotive business way back in 1986 at a Chrysler dealership and then he migrated to BMW. He was the general manager at a BMW mini dealership and then the vice president of operations at a Jaguar, Land Rover, Toyota, Honda and Hyundai dealership. And then in 2005, he became part owner and general manager at Hank Aaron Jaguar Land Rover in Augusta. After selling that business, the next step was Bentley of Atlanta. Sid and his team at Bentley Atlanta are proud sponsors of the inaugural Atlanta Concours d'Elegance happening this weekend. So, Sid, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little bit more about your career and, of course, your passion for automobiles?
1: Absolutely, Mark. Well, you know, automotive is is an area that I've always had a passion for. Even as a as a young kid and going through college, I, I didn't study business, didn't study automotive. I was a biology and an English and a religion major, and I ended up on this path uh kind of accidentally, but I wouldn't have done it any other way. I've loved cars all my life, and being around products such as BMW, of course, and now uh, Bentley and formerly being a Jaguar Land Rover dealership, this has been a, a fun way to make a living. It's been a passion, and as they always say, you know, if it's, if it's fun, it's not work. So I guess I haven't worked for the past 30 years.
0: <laughs> well... You've discovered the secret to a pleasant and happy life, that's for sure. And that's what Carja is all about. People that have wrapped their passion into their vocation. And you've definitely done that. And we're going to learn a lot more about you as we move through your journey in life. But first, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. This is some kind of saying or mantra that has some meaning to you. And it's a really nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Carja. So Sid, take the wheel.
1: Well, Mark, you know one thing that that I've always told my my staff, and I've had a staff as large as a hundred, as small as twelve. But whenever a client, a uh, new prospect, a current customer, whenever they say no, no rarely means no. No typically means K N O W. <laughs> I don't know enough about you. I don't know enough about your product. I don't know enough about why I want to do business with you. So. My staff never takes no as being a negative response. They take no as being a response that I need to educate the client more about myself, my business, my product, and what they're really interested in.
0: You know, this is absolutely fantastic. You're the first one that has ever taught me this and shared this kind of a concept with me. I've talked to a lot of salespeople over my life and here at CarShap, but you're the first one that has changed the concept of no. I'm really intrigued by this. Could you give us a couple examples so that maybe there's some folks out there that are in a selling position that hear the word no and they've realize, oh man, the door just shut. How they can wrap that around into KNOW? I really love this concept.
1: Absolutely, Mark. Well, you know, well I've got a I've got a fairly uh seasoned uh sales associate that works for me and Greg has been with us now for almost 10 years, and he had a client that he just, he asked a simple closing question, well, Mr. Customer, if everything meets your approval, are you ready to make a decision today? And the client looked at him and said, Greg, no, I'm not. And Greg immediately responded, just the way that I've taught them, well, obviously, sir, there's something that you don't know enough about that will prevent you from making a decision today. What is it? And immediately he came back and said, well, Greg, I don't know. If this color will suit my wife and my family. Ah. There wasn't a note, it wasn't a note no to the car. It was a note to let me get some more information. Let me share that with my family. And I think at that point, we'll be able to make a decision.
0: Ah, you know, it's the understanding part of it here, isn't it?
1: That's it, exactly.
0: Ah, fantastic. That is brilliant. You know, I'm going to remember this the next time I'm talking to somebody and they say no, is to remind myself to ask, what else do you need to know? So that the answer can be yes. So, Hey, that is brilliant. (laughs) I like that one a lot. Very, very nice. Well, would you share a story with us that – say that one again. Man, I'm really twisted up today. (laughs) I apologize for that. Gee whiz. Would you share a story with me and with the listeners that is about your passion for cars? What instigated that? Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you look back that you really realized that you were a car guy?
1: You know, Margaret, it's, it's funny you ask that question. I remember it, I mean, as clearly as it was yesterday, I was in third grade, getting ready to get in my dad's car. We were going to school, and one of our neighbors buzzed past our house in a brand-new red Corvette.
2: When <laughs> I say
1: brand-new, this would have been 1968, 1969. Okay. So as a as a third grader, seeing that car, it, just, it was just a wild wow moment. Because we always had nice cars in my household, but they were, you know, for a third for a third grader, fairly boring. Uh, you know, big four door sedans. My father was a was a very very big uh, Lincoln enthusiast, and that's all we had with Lincoln's. But to see our neighbor in this bright red Corvette, I was like that that looks amazing. And from that point forward, I just got obsessed with cars, reading car magazines, going to car shows. Um, I have an uncle that that had a that had a a, a very neat uh, little Fiat 850 that we'd ride around in all the time. So little things like that just made me such a car enthusiast. And when I was in graduate school, just out of the clear blue sky, I stopped by a car dealership. I had some time in between classes because probably the same same with you with your with your dad. When it was time for a new car. We never went with our father to get the new car. He said, I'm going to get a new car, and he shows back at home with the family's new car. So I was curious how the process worked. Found the dealership. I stopped in. Found some nice guys. Talked to them, said, guys, you know, I'm not buying a car, but I'm just curious. How did this process work?
2: Ah. And
1: they explained it to me. They told me about it. And before I left, the sales manager came out and offered me a job. (laughs) So naturally, I said, look, guys, I have no interest in selling cars. I just love cars. But once I thought more about it, I said, you know what? That might be kind of a, a U-turn in my, in my in my educational career. And I took it. And, wow. uh, of course, I happened to look back.
0: That is an incredible story. Wow, that's pretty darn cool. I <laughs> Hey, this guy's really interested. Uh, he's got com- <laughs> some passion here. Uh, I think you've just found your career path. So uh, little did you know exactly. way back when. That's really nice. So, Sid, what I want to do now is look at some of the roads you've driven down and ask you to share sure. a huge challenge or even a big failure that you faced along the way in your career. We, you know, we face these things every day, but the most important part of challenges and failure is what you learn from them and how you move past. So take us to that painful time in your life and then let us know what it taught you so you could move forward in a positive way.
1: Well, Mark, I had wonderful business partners. We started uh, the Hank Aaron Automotive Group in 1999, and I, I had four part five partners, and we we just had a great run of, of our business from 99 until 05, then 07, and then 08 hit. Oh, and yeah. when you know when the economy changed, now we were fortunate. We sold all of our dealerships in 2007. Not that we were that smart. We were just very, very, very lucky.
2: Mm.
1: So we sold all of our dealerships prior to the economic downturn. But the, the thing that really hit home with me is I, I could only think and see the dealers that struggled to stay in business. When I saw family-owned businesses that, that dissolved because the economy just got so poor, the real estate business runs parallel to the automotive business. And when the real estate and banking business just you know went in the gutter it it drugs so many car dealers along with it, yeah and car dealers you know are are really when you look at businesses in the United States, they are the last true entrepreneurial type businesses where you can literally have a guy that can start off washing cars, selling cars, become a dealership manager, and eventually become a dealership owner. Hmm. but I saw guys that that lost their businesses, and it was it was heartbreaking because I just thought. You know, a few months later, that could have been me. Mm. That could have been my group, and it really taught us all a lesson that, no matter what we do in the automotive business, we've got to remain lean. We've got to, we've got to, we've got to keep a lot of cash reserves. We've got to be very, very smart and very strategic with our business going forward because you never know when that type of of, of failure in our economy can happen again. And at the end of the day. When the economy gets bad, people will service what they currently have. They're not going to buy any new cars.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And when we, saw, when we saw the SAR drop to just unbelievably low points, but now to see it grow back to where it is now, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17 million cars, it's really recovered dramatically. But the sad thing is a lot of dealers were not able to recover economically. Mm-hmm. But the ones, who, the ones who made it, they're very strong. They're very smart. And now everyone is running a very, very good business. Yeah, a
0: lot better for it. Boy, I've had so many guests that barely made it through those times. Some did not make it through those times. And, yeah, uh, knowing that that can come back and it's no fault of any of our own, it just happens because of all these different things that go on, with whether it's governments or politics or world or whatever it might be, That to always be prepared. So that's the takeaway I heard from that.
1: Absolutely.
0: Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. It's a time when those headlights lighten up the roadway for you and kind of give you a new direction, a new path to turn down. Tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into a success.
1: Well, you know, this may sound, I'll kind of have to give you a baseball analogy, but it, 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 it may sound a little silly, but it really meant a lot to me. My business partner was Hank Aaron, of course, the, the the baseball legend. Yeah, and Mr. Aaron is a is a very very astute business person, not necessarily in automotive, but just overall in business. He's been a very successful business person since his uh, since he retired from baseball. And just as a course of a, of a normal day for us, at at literally at eleven fifty nine, he'd walk past my office, and our normal day was. Sid, are we going to lunch? And I would always tell him, Mr. Aaron, we do this every single day at 12 o'clock. Yes, we're going to lunch. <laughs> so we, we get in the car. We go to one of his favorite restaurants. And as we're getting out of the car, a young man comes up to him and he says, Mr. Aaron, you know, you're just the greatest baseball player ever, the greatest home run hitter. There's got to be a secret. You've got to tell me what the secret is to your success. And he looked at him, and not trying to be a smart aleck, but he looked at him, he thought about it for a moment. He said, you know, the way I hit so many home runs, the way I did so well in baseball is I swung the bat.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: And when, I, and when I think about that, Mark, I just think that, you know, if you don't just make that effort, knowing that even in baseball, if you fail 70% of the time, you can still get in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. yeah. So if you bat 300, you're a Hall of Fame athlete. So you're going to fail 70% of the time? 80% of the time, but you can't take that failure as being just the end of the road. So, you know, when Mr. When Aaron said that, I really took that at heart and I said, you know what, that's exactly what we do. If we don't take that, that chance, we're not going to succeed every time, but if we don't take that chance, if I can just succeed three out of 10 times, I'm a huge success. Right. And from that point going forward, it, I mean, literally, it made, it made my mental anguish around business a lot simpler.
0: Wow. You know, and such a simple concept, too. When I was a kid, I played Little League, and I had a hard time hitting the ball. And I remember telling my dad, I think I'm going to quit playing this game because I can't hit the ball. (laughs) And I remember him saying something very similar to Mr. Aaron's comments. He said, well, how many times do you swing at it?
2: There you
1: go. That's it.
0: I kind of looked at him and said, what do you mean? He goes, maybe you need to swing more and you might hit more. And it was that (laughs) simple concept that don't be afraid to strike out. Take a swing. That's it.
1: And it's like I said, it has nothing to do with specifically the business, and absolutely nothing to do with the car business. But when he said that, it gets really. When I look at when I look at my sales staff, and I look at my technical staff, and you know the guys, they they strive for perfection. They want everything to be perfect all the time. I said, guys, you know what? If we can be really, really good most of the time and be perfect a percentage of the time, we're still going to be successful.
0: Yes, you know I write a weekly blog here at Cars Yeah that uh, anybody can subscribe to. And my blog this week was called Upshift, and it was talking about when you face challenging times, don't throttle back, don't downshift, don't coast. You need to press harder sometimes and take a chance, take a gamble, and put the pedal to the metal, as they say, and, and give it a chance. You might fail, you might slide off the road, you might even hit a wall, but at least you tried. Absolutely. Another great idea you shared with us there. Thank you. How about proudest career moments? I would assume you've had many. You've been doing this for a long time, but is there one moment that stands out for you?
1: You know, one thing that, that happened to us, that, that, and to me specifically, that really I'm, I'm still very proud of, when we opened our BMW dealership in 1999, we were the fourth BMW dealership in Atlanta, and of the four, we were the smallest, and we we're, were the smallest by, by a pretty big degree. We found out about Mini Cooper, and that was in 2002. When BMW decided to announce dealerships that would be Mini dealers, you had to first be, of course, a BMW dealership. Well, one thing that we do in the car business is we procrastinate at times, and I procrastinated, and I, I failed to spend a lot of time with my with my application to get the Mini dealership. So I told one of my business partners, I said, "Tom, I said, you know, the application for Mini, the deadline is Monday." He goes, Sid, Today is Friday." Yeah. <laughs> I said, well, I said we've got two days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so what we did is we we enlisted the help of we had an intern at the time. We enlisted the help of an intern. We had a very 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 good uh, website developer that we work with, and over the course of that weekend, we actually put together an application to get the first mini dealership in the south. We w- we would be one of seven in the whole country, and we're thinking guys this is just a shot in the dark. To this day, we've never printed an application. We literally created a website. We emailed the link to BMW North America and said, guys, open this link to view our application. Mark, they opened the link. We had a very creative application. And within a matter of days, they called and said, guys, you were the only applicant that did not FedEx us an application They didn't hand-deliver an application. We don't have any paper from you at all. And because of that, we've awarded you a franchise.
0: (laughs) Very, very nice.
1: (laughs) So we became a mini-dealership after spending, we spent 72 hours doing an application. And to even make it even nicer, even though we were the smallest BMW dealership uh, in Georgia, there was one other other dealer who made it in Georgia, which is Global Imports. But we did so well that we became the number fourth Highest volume mini dealership in the entire country.
0: Oh my gosh! Wow!
1: So we were number four in the United States. Just a little bitty dealership on the south side of Atlanta, and just we just had a ton of fun doing it.
0: Again, it's kind of a cliche to say out of the box thinking, but that's really what you guys did. And when you think about when Mini came out, their whole entire ad campaign, everything they did was everything. different, yes. unique. I mean,
1: they wanted you to be a disruptor, and we didn't even know we didn't know what that meant. All yeah. we knew was we were out of time. Yep. We couldn't print anything. And we said, what can we do to at least make them look? Yeah, and we made them look.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Well, wow. we've owned two minis in our family. Uh, they've been great cars. And I loved their original campaigns and even the stuff they, they're doing now. It's just always different. I don't know. They've gone through a kind of a big revamp as well. But uh, very, very cool. Another great lesson for those listeners out there to Really think Mm -hmm. differently when you're going to do something, you know, um, because that's how you stand out. That's how you stand out. Very nice. Well, let's have a little bit of fun, go back in time. I'd love for you to share your first really special car with me and and maybe a great memory you have of that vehicle.
1: So my first really special car is probably a very, um, uh, not a very memorable car to anyone, but it was the first car that I actually bought on my own. My parents, thankfully, were very, very generous and they always provided uh, me with, with a vehicle, but I said, you know what, guys, it's time for me to buy my, my first car. So in 1982, I bought a car that not many people may remember. Well, I'm sure a lot of people will forget about. I had a Ford EXP. Okay. And the EXP was essentially a two-door fastback Escort. And the funny thing about the car is it was in my favorite color. It was blue, which I, I love blue cars. But interestingly enough, I bought the car. And the car was a stick. Well, I didn't know how to drive a stick. So I took a buddy of mine with me to pick it up. I said, just stay behind me. I'll figure this out on the way home, which I did. <laughs> and I tell you, I really, really loved that car. It was a two-seater, so it made it even better because I didn't have to take my brothers and sisters around with me. <laughs> and I enjoyed that car for a number of years. But it's such an odd little quirky car. When I think back at how peculiar the car looked, it was just an odd vehicle. But I loved it because it was a two-seater. It was, in my mind, a sports car. But uh, I absolutely loved it. My first car that I bought on my own, I bought it brand new, babied it, ended up trading that car in after I got married. But uh, but I loved it the entire time that I had it.
0: Yeah, those were kind of funky. If you, I remember the front lights were, <laughs> they were. Kind, of, were kind of weird. They, were, they almost looked like they were supposed to be integrated in the hood, but they weren't they were kind of correct yeah yeah okay i I get the car right then so yeah the exp very cool yeah the first car my first car that i bought same kind of situation it was a carmen guia and my mom drove me over to this guy's place and we did the deal and then she goes okay well you can drive it home and i went I've never driven a stick. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get home.
1: <laughs> exactly. Well, the good thing is I, I figured it out. <laughs> yeah, she said
0: you better figure it out. So the guy gave me a quick lesson around the block, and I, I think I stalled in like every intersection <laughs> that I had to, had to go through, but I made it. So great memories. Well, how about a car that you've owned that you've let go that you really wish you had back? Is there one that you have that kind of seller's remorse over?
2: Yeah,
1: you know, there was a car, and and you know, I was with BMW for so long. I've always, of course, been a BMW enthusiast, and I purchased a absolute mint condition, 1992 BMW 850. Nice with that V12. And everyone knows the 850. Just what a wonderful touring car. Never a sports car. It was too heavy, a bit underpowered, but just a wonderful sports touring car. And I had, I remember, like, yesterday I had a white with light gray interior. 92850, I bought the car with very, very, very low miles, had the car, uh, trucked up from Florida, and ended up, uh, the car needed, needed tires, and I decided, you know what, while I'm doing tires, I'll change the wheels, and not knowing that, uh, the wheels to a Z8 would fit, the front wheels only I had, I put four front Z8 wheels on the 850, and it, it, it was just a spectacular vehicle. Cool. Um, my favorite color, again, and, and this car just, just looked tremendous. And for no reason other than, you know, I saw a seven series that a customer traded in. I didn't need a car. I had a demo. I ended up trading in the eight fifty, and I got the seven series. But I wish I still had that eight fifty because it was a wonderful vehicle.
0: Yeah, those were nice sport coupes for sure. And wonderful touring cars. Absolutely. Kind of heavy. So from a sports car standpoint, a little bit heavy, but oh my gosh, just for cruising around in, brilliant oh, it cars. it was a wonderful. Yeah, you know,
1: big V twelve engine. Oh, just yeah. you get on the interstate. <laughs> Set your cruise on ninety and you just felt like you're on a cloud. Just a wonderful car. And, and and even though in today's sports car arena, it may look a little stodgy, but it's still just a great design.
0: I believe that was designed by Klaus Kapitza. Uh, great design, wonderful cars. Well let's talk about today and tomorrow. I'd love to hear what you're working on now that has you really excited and fired up. I know you're working at Bentley. About three years ago I had the Incredible pleasure being invited to our local racetrack here, Pacific Raceway, by a local Bentley dealer. Bentley was traveling around with their new cars, the four door and the two door. They were letting people drive the cars on tracks. It blew me away. I've always been a sports car guy. I I couldn't believe what those cars could do on the track. The speed, the handling, I I just was blown away. So Bentley earned a huge amount of respect from me then. And of course, now the cars are so spectacular. So What's coming down the pike? What has you excited? And I'd also love to hear a little bit about your guys' sponsorship and involvement with this uh, inaugural Atlanta Concorde Elegance. Both Bill Wallet and Harry Cricks were guests here on Cars. Yeah, sounds like they're going to have a spectacular first event this weekend. And tell us okay. a little bit about, yeah, how you guys are involved.
1: Well, you know, I met Bill, I met Bill a few months back, and we started just talking about the concept. And we said, you know, it's a shame that Atlanta doesn't have, didn't have a nice Concorde event. Such as, you know, of course, Hilton Head, Amelia Island, uh, even Palm Beach, and naturally, you know, we're not the same type of venue at those those spots, but we're in a market with with, a, with an extraordinary number of automotive enthusiasts. So I said, you know, Bill, count us in. You know, we're we're going to help you any way that we can to make this a good event. From a project standpoint, I just completed construction, as you mentioned earlier. We're now North America's largest. Bentley only dealership. We went through a three million dollar renovation here at our facility. We've been at this same location for thirteen years wow. and we completed our renovation about, uh, about ten weeks ago. Oh my goodness. The reception from our current client base has been phenomenal. They can't believe that we are the size that we are and that we're Bentley only because naturally most most dealerships who, who are with Bentley, they can't their business model does not preclude preclude them to be Bentley standalone. Mm. We're in a great market. The South is, a, as you know, is a wonderful car market. Atlanta is a great car town, and this has just been a lot of fun building a new dealership. And Bentley Corporate has a new ID for all of their new dealers, and we fell right into that into that scheme.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Our newest vehicle, our Bentega, our SUV, we are beyond excited about that vehicle. We've the customer reception has been amazing. We are currently sold out until mid-April of next year.
2: Oh, my gosh.
1: <laughs> uh, just, just the excitement that clients have when they drive it for the first time, when they see it, it's almost a, an oxymoron, a Bentley SUV. Mm-hmm. But then when our clients see it, they see that Bentley decided, okay, guys, this market is important. Our enthusiasts would like to have a vehicle of Bentley quality that they can utilize for the family, for their activities off-road, for their activities in other environments other than just the street, and this car fulfills all of those. And every day, we're learning new things that the Matega will do. It's it's a cutting edge from a technology standpoint. Every bit of automation is in this vehicle, heads-up display, blind spot monitors. Uh, we have Google Maps in the rear of it. We have Apple Play up front, so we're kind of... It's kind of odd that we're both Google and Apple in the same vehicle. We have night vision. We have lane keep assist. We have a semi-autonomous drive. It's just an amazing, amazing vehicle. And when you wrap that around a 6,000-pound vehicle with a 600-horsepower engine, uh-huh. the performance is astounding. Yeah. It's almost silly to think that this 6,000-pound SUV has a 0-60 to 60 time as fast as a Corvette.
2: Oh yes, which,
1: which weighs a fraction. Yeah. So it's just been a lot of fun working on this project, and we're going to have a, we're going to let a lot of new prospects who've never seen the Bentayga, who've certainly never driven the car, have an opportunity this weekend at the Concours to actually have have fun driving the car there when we when we get to to the Concours event. Yeah. And so we're excited to just see just see the excitement on customers' faces, to gain new clients from this because. A Range Rover has always been the pinnacle of luxury SUV. Right. This takes it not one step. This takes it about 10 steps above a Range Rover. Not that a Range Rover is not a wonderful car. It's an amazing vehicle. We love them. But when you get into the Bentayga, you, you, the first thing you think is, this is a Bentley. <laughs>
2: yeah. This
1: is SUV. I can drive it off-road. And it has 600 horsepower. Yeah. It is an amazing vehicle.
0: You know, I got to see one at the Quail this past summer during Car Week in Pebble Beach. And not to mention it was an incredible orange metallic color. that was just so cool. But (laughs) the car, yeah, they let people crawl around in those and, and sit in them and look at them. And it was like, oh, my gosh. and. I'm sure this is going to be a home run because I remember when Porsche came out with their SUV, everybody oh, was, the was, yeah, was poo pooing them and going, what are they doing? Yeah. This is crazy. And of course that car saved them. And they're realizing now the demographics uh, fit these vehicles so well. So many people like to have a vehicle like that because they need to haul things around. Even if they, the only off-roading they do is the speed bumps at the shopping mall. Still, this still, but this car with the power that it packs is a whole nother beast. So, uh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to be incredible. The fact you're sold out to next April is really cool, too. So
1: very, very exciting. The, the clients who are buying this car, it's not one particular segment. We've had retirees. We've had uh, young entertainers. We've had physicians. We've had attorneys. So this is, has this is fallen under a whole new segment of buyer for Bentley.
0: Yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah, well, and I encourage anyone who's going to be in the Atlanta area this weekend to check out the Atlanta Concord Elegance. Get a chance to go and drive one of these cars. Uh, say hello to Sid and his team. Uh, it's going to be worth your time for sure. Now, Sid, here's a very introspective question for you. If you were a car, what kind of car would Sid be and why?
1: Well, you know, and I, I feel a little um, like I'm cheating a bit because if I were a car, I wouldn't be a Bentley. If I were a car, I would be a Ferrari. <laughs> you know, Ferraris have always, always just been a been a love of mine. Uh, anyone who's a car enthusiast, I would say, if you picked 99 out of 100, they would always say they would put Ferrari as one of their favorite vehicles. Sure. And you know, if I were a Ferrari, it would probably be it probably be a 250 GTO, Ooh. only because that car is so rare. The car was built. And it was built almost in innocence with Ferrari because they said, you know what, guys, let's, we've got to build a road going car that we can race. And they weren't thinking that, you know, 50 years later, this is a car that would be worth upwards of 20, 25, 30, 35 million dollars. That, that just was not Ferrari's intent or even anything they could, they could fathom. Right. But to me, I find it even humorous that these are cars that guys would thrash around, you know, a racetrack on the weekend drive to work on on Monday morning, and now here we are with these vehicles that are in museums. People are afraid to even start them.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's incredible.
1: It's amazing. So, yeah, if I had to be a car, I would definitely be a Ferrari, because the one thing that that I've seen with Ferraris is they're, they're timeless. No matter the age, they look ageless. Performance is unbelievable, the way they sound, the way they feel, the way they handle. I try to make it a point to every week, at least one day during the week, to drive a Ferrari. I try to keep one or two here at the dealership at all times. And (laughs) as you know, there's nothing like driving a Ferrari.
0: Yeah, I had Will Campbell on the show this week from, of course, uh, Ferrari Maserati, Atlanta there, one of your your colleagues and a different uh, mark there. And uh Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, you'd be well loved, Sid. You're probably already well loved, but you're even more well loved if you were a GTO. <laughs> so, uh, very nice choice. Well, Sid up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's cars. Yeah. Sponsors. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at cars. Yeah. And I'd be honored to be an influencer. An ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah! podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah! website at carsyeah.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations! You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners, I have a question. What's the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior? It's with a car cover. I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft is the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers, and they are crafted to fit like a custom suit with over 80,000 patterns available, and they're made in the USA. But Covercraft is much more than car covers. Their vehicle protection system protects your cars, motorcycles, watercrafts, and RVs, exteriors from the elements, and the interiors from the wear and tear of daily life. Car covers, front-end masks, dash covers, seat covers, floor mats, and much, much more. Covercraft offers you a full array of custom accessories made specifically for and styled to complement and protect your special vehicle. Covercraft is the right choice. I use them on all my vehicles and your special vehicles will love them too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and you can get free shipping when you use the code at checkout, Cars yeah. Okay, Sid, we are back and we're entering the last lap. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received?
1: The best automotive advice I've ever received is enjoy what you purchase. Mm, Don't buy a car because maybe it's a smart choice. It's economical choice. it's, it's It's what your dad used to buy. Buy what you're going to enjoy and drive it.
0: Yes, please, drive it. Because you know what? You might get stuck with these. You might as well be stuck with something you really like.
1: Absolutely.
0: Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years?
1: Well, I don't know if it's a habit or, or if it's a problem. Both my, my wife and daughter, uh, they make fun of my, of my OCD uh, tendencies when it comes to my cars.
2: <laughs> I like my
1: cars pristine and clean at all times, yep. always full of gas, and no eating in my car. <laughs> so, you know, one, one thing that, that, that when, when you look at my car, I think, I hope it's a reflection of myself. I like things very neat, very tidy, very orderly, and no surprise. When I get in my car, I know it's full of gas. I know it's going to start. I know it's going to give me any issues, and I can just move on to, to my next thing.
0: Now, I have to ask you this because you and I share that habit. I am a meticulous person <laughs> when it comes to my cars, and here's what always happens to me. When I go for a ride with someone else in their car, they start making excuses for it before they even get in it, because they know who I am. So it's like, oh, I haven't that's had a chance to clean it, or this <laughs> usually doesn't look like this, or it rained
1: yesterday. Does that happen to you? Well, 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 the first comment I always get is, we, "Can we take your call?" <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I get the same thing. So we both have that well, same that same issue. That's for sure. Do you have a yeah. resource that you'd like to share with our listeners that you think they would
1: enjoy? Absolutely if you take a take a look at our website uh, we're we're in the process of constructing a community page which has nothing to do with with selling bidleys, but I would love for our listeners to take a look at how involved we are with the community mm. At the end of the day, no matter how successful we are, we've got to be good stewards of what of what we're given, and that's one thing I teach my staff and to be a good steward, we need to look outside of our front door, take care of our community. And you know what? It may not come back to us today, but it eventually will. So if you go to our website, just click on our community page link, and you'll see how, how involved we are with our local community.
0: Very nice. Now, how about a book? Is there a book that you've read that you think the carshall listeners should read as well?
1: You know, there there is a book, Steve Jobs, Autobiography. Great book. You know, let me tell you, Steve, it's a long book. It's, it's a good read. Yeah, it's a dictionary. So, <laughs> It is. It's a very, very big book, but I I promise you, it's very enjoyable. We can can all learn something from it. The thing that I learned from that book is Steve Jobs was very successful in business, did an amazing, amazing job with Apple, but nothing he did, he did that did not involve 100% of his passion. If it did not look, feel, smell, act, perform the way that he wanted it, he would not release it.
2: Yeah, And and
1: when you when you read about how maniacal he was about that, but the thing that he that he told people in his business world when they said, Well Steve, this doesn't make sense, it doesn't make this is not logical for business, he said, guys, it can't be logical, it's gotta be the best. And I've and I've got to know that what I've produced is the best product for all of our customers. You know, the best line that I ever read from any business person is when I when I was reading his perspectives on the iPad. He said, you know, it will not come with the owner's manual because you already know how to use it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just think of yeah. how intuitive the iPad is. He's like, why give you a manual because you already you have a finger and you have my device. You already know how to use it.
0: Yeah, really brilliant. I love that book. It was a great book. My son bought it for himself when he was in college and then gave it to me to read. And he said, Dad, you got to read this book. You're going to love it. So very cool. Well, I'll remind our listeners you can find all these great links that Sid's been so kind to share on his very own show notes page at com slash Sid Barron. There's also a great place on the Cars Yeah website called Guest Recommended Books, where this book and the past 612 guest books are listed for quick, easy clicks to buy. All right, we are up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a real doozy. If you could have only one collector car in your garage, you can still keep your Bentleys that you drive or any other cars you enjoy, <laughs> but this is a collector car, something special, but money is no object. I'll buy you anything in the world you'd like. What would that vehicle be and why?
1: You know, I've already mentioned the, the GTO, but, I, but there's another Ferrari that I'm just so enamored with, and it's a car that, yeah, it would be a lifetime vehicle, and that would be the La Ferrari. Mm. That vehicle is just from a, I love technology with bang items. And when you look at how this car is built, the technology behind it, it is absolutely astounding. And again, you know, it's a car that I would drive. Yeah. You know, see collectors buy vehicles, park them in a garage, and see how how little they can drive and To me, that that's just, you know, that's almost a travesty. Yeah. But I, w- I would love to be the first person in the world to put a hundred thousand miles on a LaFerrari, because I would, I would do it. I would definitely do it. But, but that would definitely, that would definitely be my dream car. <laughs>
0: yeah, I can't wait to buy you that LaFerrari so you drive it every day. That's pretty cool. I love it. There was a, <laughs> there was a guy in a magazine years ago who had a Ferrari F40 that he had put I don't know eighty thousand miles on. He'd driven across country wow. multiple times. It had all these rock chips in the front. And I just smiled and said, "Good for him." That's just good for you. Yeah, exactly. awesome. What color would you like that LaFerrari to be?
1: It would have to be blue. I, oh. want, I you know, the, the the red Ferraris are wonderful, but I'll tell you, they make an amazing blue color. So I, I would have to get a blue. I would get a blue Ross Ferrari with the gray interior.
0: Well, there's a gentleman I know up here in the Pacific Northwest who, uh, his name's Greg. He has a blue one. So, uh, yeah, I'll have to connect you two, but, uh, he drives his cars. <laughs> thank goodness. He takes it to cars and coffee. He drives it in the rain. He takes it on tours. So, uh, I think you'd get along with Greg just fine. A blue LaFerrari, very nice, <laughs> very nice indeed. Well, Sid, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I know you stayed late at your office tonight to do the show, and I'm really appreciative. I'm sure your dinner's at home getting cold, but I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Out listeners. Would you give us one parting piece of guidance before you rip off down the highway in that blue LaFerrari?
1: <laughs> Absolutely, Mark. Well, the piece of advice I would give anybody is just just enjoy the ride. Never think about where you're going, never think about how you're going to get there, but just enjoy the ride because the ride is, at the end of the day, the best part of the journey. Yes. Uh, You know, your destination is going to be, it's going to be there when you get there. But enjoy the ride on the way there, and you're going to make yourself, your family, everyone around you just just so much happier.
0: Absolutely. And, boy, if you can do it in a Bentley, that ride's going to be even better. I guarantee you. What fantastic cars. And faster. And faster, yeah. And Bentley's producing some amazing things, especially this new SUV, the Bentayga. Yeah, I think that's got to be one of the biggest challenges is teaching all the customers (laughs) how to say the name right. So it's an interesting, uh, interesting word. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your dealership?
1: Absolutely. Well, you can go to our website, which is BentleyAtlanta.com. And anyone who is on LinkedIn, you're welcome to request a, a link on LinkedIn. Uh, just my name, Sid Barron, and we are happy to, to welcome any of you to the dealership. If you're in the Atlanta area, stop by for a visit. We're open during the week till 6 p.m. and on Saturdays till 5 p.m. And we, we'd love to have you visit our dealership.
0: Fantastic. And it looks fantastic, too, that new dealership you guys have built. Oh, my gosh, that's incredible. I can't wait to get back there and see what you've done. Well, listeners, again, you can find everything on Sid's show notes page at carsday.com slash Sid Barron just type sid sid in the search bar and his page will pop right up and if you're in the Atlanta area this weekend make sure to attend the Atlanta Concord Elegance at Chateau Elan Winering Resort this is a great event if you can't be there go to atlancaconcord.org and check it out watch social media because i'm sure there's going to be a lot of cool pictures popping up this weekend of this event sid thanks again for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing thank you mark your experiences you're welcome with me and the listeners Until we talk again, I'll see you down the
1: road. All right, my friend. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. You're welcome.
0: Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun.